You're listening to The Nature of Nantucket, and I'm Joanna Roach with the Mariah Mitchell Association, and I am here with Jack Dubinsky, who is our aquarium director. Welcome, Jack. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you today, Jack. Uh, One, because I think, you know, the aquarium is one of the most popular, popular parts of the Mariah Mitchell Association, and you yourself are such a enthusiastic representative of the aquarium, and I'd love you to share how you came to be at the Mariah Mitchell Aquarium. Yeah, so I grew up in New York City and I was a nature lover, um, which means I was not really a New York City lover, but I was lucky that enough that me and my mom would um, summer on Nantucket every summer from you know two to eight weeks. And in Nantucket, I was digging around for worms, catching butterflies, and just interacting with all the nature around me. And I loved it. And... I think when I was 11 years old, um, my mom, I think, saw an an ad in the local paper about this marine ecology field trip um, with the Mariah Mitchell Aquarium. And so she signs me up to this and we still do this program to this day. The aquarium staff takes the big 10 foot seine net out to the eelgrass beds and catches tons and tons of uh, fish and invertebrates. And all the guests come and help get the animals off the net and sort them by species. And we take data on the animals. Um, So anyway, I did that when I was um, 11 and just absolutely loved it. So the next summer, my mom actually, without telling me, signs me up to volunteer at the Mariah Mitchell Aquarium behind my back. And when I first um, heard about that, I was extremely upset. Um, you know, I was a shy kid, didn't like talking to people. And all of a sudden now I have to work at this place and talk to tons and tons of strangers about marine biology, which I knew nothing about at the time. I was terrified, but I got there and, you know, the interns really took me under their wing. And within a couple of weeks, you know, I was you know, completely broken in and I was jumping up and down telling people about the sexual behaviors of pipefish and it was great and I just absolutely loved it. So every summer um, that I could, I came back and uh, volunteered again and again and um, it inspired me to study marine science for my undergraduate degree. So that was really fun and I just, yeah, kept coming back to the aquarium as a volunteer and then as intern, aquarium manager, yada, yada, yada. And and now I'm here and it's it's just been an amazing experience the aquarium is so special and such a fun way to engage with marine science. Yes. So tell us a little bit about some of the fish that you have living in Hinch this winter and a little bit about the programs that you're running over the winter. Right. So the aquarium itself is is open only for the summer. So our model is that we catch all of our animals that year and we display them for a few months. And then at the end of the year, we have our big release day and release virtually all of our animals. But some of them are a little too special to release and we keep them uh, year round for a variety of reasons. Um, so some of them are displayed at the um, at the Natural Science Museum at the moment. Um, and the ones on display right now are a an adorable baby octopus. Her name is Cthulhu. She is a gem. She's really, really cool and loves hanging out with people. She goes right up to the tank when people say hi to her. So um, that's a lot of fun. And then we also have another tank with two species of butterfly fish. And even though they're tropical, we found the butterfly fish on Nantucket. And uh, those are really cool. And I'm going to interrupt you because I know that you've been teaching the octopus to do tricks. 
Yeah, so diving a little bit more into the octopus yeah. husbandry. So octopuses, as I'm sure a lot of you listening are familiar, are very intelligent um, and love uh, problem solving. So I, I give her a bunch of problems to solve, mostly um, around feeding time. Um, I'm currently in the process of teaching her how to open jars, and she has gotten pretty good at it. Um, so right now I'm at I've been doing one twist for easy and then two twists for medium and three twists for hard. So it takes her a while, but she can do three twists. So she's getting pretty good. Um, I just built her a new toy actually this week and it is a jar and it's attached to a kind of like plastic chain with a fishing bobber on the top. So it floats. So when she grabs it, she has to like pull it down and she's confused why it wants to go back up to the top of the tank. And she's like playing with it. And, and she seems to really love interacting with that. So I, I'm awesome. trying to make her sort of new toys to interact with, um, awesome. you know, periodically. And so, I know yeah, the, been- the tropicals tell the story about how you came to find these tropicals here on Nantucket. We, we do find a lot of baby tropicals here um, from, from time to time. And basically the story is, is that, you know, these, um, keep in mind when I say tropicals, I mean, you know, animals that live are living in warm water. So if you've ever been snorkeling or diving in the Caribbean, um, virtually everything you've seen there has washed up to Nantucket as a baby at one point or another. You know, we've caught butterfly fish, tangs, uh, tropical puffers, flying gernard, you know, all sorts of things, angelfish even. And, you know, so right now we have five uh, butterfly fish, um, four spot fin butterfly fish and one four eye butterfly fish. And, and basically what happens is, you know, when butterfly fish are reproducing um, in other tropicals as well, you know, off of Florida, the Caribbean, wherever, um, they broadcast spawn. So basically the, the larvae are planktonic and live just in the open ocean in the water column. And for the first, you know, two or so weeks of their lives, they are focused on one thing, and that is to eat as much as possible and grow as quickly as possible, because the bigger you are, the less likely you are to be eaten. And so basically, there's this big current uh, called the Gulf Stream. It's uh, the fastest ocean current actually in the world. It travels um, like four to five miles an hour, and it starts in the Caribbean and, you know, whips its way up the U.S. Eastern seaboard. And so these baby larval fish and invertebrates as well, you know, are so focused on eating that sometimes they get caught up in this current and have no idea. They're not even, they're not focused on where they are on planet earth. They're just focused on, you know, meal one, meal two, meal three, etc. But once they get, you know, to juvenile size and for most of these tropicals, that's, you know, around, you know, a centimeter or like a half or inch or so, they get this instinct to return to the reef um, so they can, you know, continue the rest of their lives as, as reef fish. And, um, Unfortunately, if they've gotten caught up in this current um, and spent two weeks in the Gulf Stream, by the time they're that size, they're in New England and, you know, they're going around looking for a reef and, you know, the ones around Nantucket, they find the jetties. It's the closest thing we have to a coral reef. Um, It's rocks. There is northern star coral um, and other cnidarians that look like coral growing on it for them to eat. So it's, it's, you know, a suitable habitat for them. And, you know, the water temperatures in Nantucket are warm enough for them to survive once they arrive here in, uh, you know, June, July, and August. But unfortunately, come usually October, November, so the water temperatures um, drop below um, the threshold that is acceptable for them. And a lot of them don't survive. So when we find them at the Mariah Mitchell Aquarium, we keep them year round in nice warm tanks. And yeah, like I said, we have five butterfly fish um, and a shame-faced crab, which are all tropicals that probably 
were from much further south from here originally. <laughs> and talk a little bit about the fan favorite. I believe her name is Clementine. Yes, Clementine. So she is our unofficial mascot at the aquarium. We've had her, I believe, since 2014. So that was a pretty cool story. So basically, the aquarium manager at the time got hungry for lunch. So um, she walked down the street to sale seafood to get some crab cakes for lunch. And there was bright, beautiful orange Clementine. Um, and she gets her name because she has a one in 30 million genetic mutation that makes her shell this bright, beautiful, like vibrant orange color instead of the dark reddish brown um, that most lobsters are. So our aquarium manager at the time just sees Clementine in the tank with the other live lobsters, just waiting to get purchased for dinner. And, you know, freaked out with excitement, purchased Clementine at market price and brought her back to the aquarium. And she has been with us ever since. We think she's probably between 23 to 28 years old. Um, she's probably around nine or 10 pounds at the moment, although I haven't, I haven't weighed her uh, recently, but she's a big girl and she loves to eat basically anything that comes from the ocean. She loves to eat clams, fish. We started giving her uh, oysters on the half shell and she eats it just like a human does. She takes it with her claws and just slurps it up. She doesn't, you know, chop it up or anything. So yeah, she's, she's definitely a fan favorite and is gorgeous and we love her. Mm. So what else can people see at the museum if they stop by this winter? Yeah, so right now at the Natural Science Museum, in addition to our tropical marine fish, we also have several freshwater fish, including a pumpkin seed, a white, uh, white bass, I'm sorry, a white perch. I always get confused because it's technically a bass, but the common name is white perch. Um, so a white perch, yeah, pumpkin seed, black crappie, a silver dollar. Um, we also have four turtles at the moment and a tortoise. We also have a milk snake and a bullfrog. And just like the aquarium, uh, the inhabitants of the museum also change. So most likely by the end of the summer, there will be some new animals there as well. That's great. So what else is happening on Saturdays that you have down there? Yeah, so Saturdays are tons of fun. We have the Natural Science Museum open from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Um, and we also have our research center open as well. And I believe the time for that currently is 10.30 to 12. And the research center is absolutely free. So if you stop by the museum, uh, feel free to just walk over next door. And uh, Ginger Andrews, our field ornithologist, um, usually has some really cool um, specimens out from our biological collections um, that you can check out out and also has some specimens to view under the microscope as well. And we also have a few programs um, going on as well. So Saturday mornings, if you're an early bird, you can go on our bird walks with Ginger Andrews. And I believe those are from uh, 7.45 to 10 a.m. And depending on um, availability of uh, transportation, if you guys bring your car, you know, you can either, you know, go on a town walk or travel somewhere else, um, depending on where Ginger thinks the best birds are. Um, and then we also, every other Saturday, have the Snowy Owl Quest. So if you guys are particularly interested in the uh, famous snowy owls around Nantucket, Ginger will take you guys out and see if you can uh, spot one. And I believe they were successful in doing so last week. So one last program we're also doing is the Beach Biology Field Trip, um, which occurs every Saturday afternoon from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. And if you guys want to join me and walk around the beach and see what we can find 
find, we're usually able to identify uh, 20 to 30 species of shells, crab carapaces, bones, and live animals as well, including birds, insects, and uh, beach invertebrates. So those are fun as well. So Jack, what do you got planned for the summer? Tell us about some of your ideas. Yeah, so the process of setting up the aquarium is is pretty interesting. So um, usually I, I begin in April and I you know fill all the tanks and you know it usually takes six to eight weeks for once I start filling the tanks for them to be um, ready to accept animals. And usually my interns arrive at the end of May and we have two or so weeks to scurry around the island and fill up the tanks with whatever we can find. And kind of part of the magic of the Mariah Mitchell Aquarium is that since we are you know going out and collecting everything ourselves every single year, um, what we end up displaying is a little different every time. Some years we have some animals and some years we have different animals. Um, so if you guys come back year after year, um, the displays will be different. What's really exciting is that this year we'll be getting a brand new um, giant, beautiful jellyfish tank to display some of the cool jellies that we have around Nantucket. But yeah, I can't really tell you what we're going to find um, that, you know, there's, a lot of the species will will certainly be here, but um, what we choose to display is kind of up in the air until we see what we've got to work with. And talk a little bit about the green crabs, because I know people are interested in that. Yeah, so the European green crabs are a um, invasive species um, originating from Europe, as as you can imagine. But um, a lot of uh, you know folks cite them as one of the top five most invasive marine species. Um, so while they start in Europe, they have um, successful invasive populations on both coasts of the United States. They have populations in parts of um, South America, Africa, Asia, Australia, and I believe there have also been sightings in New Zealand. So. Unless you're living in Antarctica, uh, chances are somewhere near you, you have some uh, invasive green crab friends. But um, unfortunately, um, they do a lot of damage, which is why they're invasive and not just introduced. So here on Nantucket, they are a threat to a lot of important systems and organisms. So as they're moving around and hunting and digging around, they destroy our eelgrass beds. And I don't know if you guys have seen the, you know, the movies of the explorers with machetes cutting down the jungle as they're walking around. But unfortunately, the, the green crabs sometimes do that as well. And just pure frustration of the eelgrass in front of them will just cut it down with their claws. And of course, the eelgrass beds are an extremely important habitat um, for regulating water quality, you know, erosion from, you know, storm surge, and um, also are just have the highest marine biodiversity habitat on Nantucket. So that's really bad. They're also outcompeting our local crab species. So in our 15 years or so of marine ecology data that we've been collecting over the years, we have seen a sharp rise in the catch of green crabs and steady declines of catch in other crabs. So they are either eating and or out competing uh, local crabs for food. And particularly we're noticing uh, reduced amounts of blue crabs and black fingered mud crabs as well. <laughs> and finally, uh, probably the most the most worrisome of their um, effects is their willingness to eat shellfish. So they eat soft shell clams, they eat hard shell clams, and they eat bay scallops. And even the baby, actually, especially the baby green crabs, will sit and wait for these larval clams and scallops to settle down onto the ocean floor. And before they can even dig into the sand and mud, they will eat them up. So there are parts of uh, Maine and elsewhere in New England that literally have zero 
you know, clam populations now because the green crabs are sitting and they don't even have a chance to get into the sand in the first place. Um, Jack, is there, so anything, also is there anything that we can do about that? Yeah. So we have a variety of ways that people can get involved on Nantucket. First and foremost, the Murray Mitchell Association has a really fun green crab citizen science survey. So if you want to go and see if you can catch crabs, you can either take a, you know, snorkeling kit and a bucket, or you can get a piece of chicken and a rope, or you can walk around with your hand net and see how many crabs you can find. And we have an online reporting tool. So you can tell us where you were, what time it was, how many you caught. And um, we're trying to get more people involved in that initiative. So we can make kind of like a heat map of the, of Nantucket and see how the green crabs are using our different areas of our beaches and our, um, marine areas. We know they love eelgrass and the salt marshes, um, but we want to see what parts of the island have the most green crabs, what parts of the island have the least green crabs, and how they move around the island throughout the summer so that we can target certain areas of the island for uh, research and conservation activities going forward. And once you catch the green crabs, you know, once you have a bucket full of crabs, we strongly suggest you don't release them because they are invasive and female uh, green crabs can literally have hundreds of thousands of offspring every year. So you can either use them for you can you can make like green crab stock you can freeze them and chop them in half and and use them as fishing bait you can crush them with some water and make uh, green crab fertilizer or uh, you can bring them alive to the Mariah Mitchell Aquarium and we will use them as food for some of our animals. And we know Clementine, we've been training her over the years. She is Nantucket's number one green crab eating machine. She absolutely <laughs> loves green crabs. So uh, feel free to bring them to us. So that that's what we would suggest if you really want to get involved. And there's... Um, information on green crab ways to use green crabs on our website and also our uh, collaborator with a lot of these events uh, nantucket land council on their website as well that is great story and lots of information and that's all the time we have today so thank you so much for sharing and Absolutely. we will we will have you back soon and if you've been listening i'm joanna roach we are on the nature of nantucket I've been speaking with Jack Dubinsky, who's the aquarium director, and you can visit him on Saturdays in Hinchman House. Thanks so much.